Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. A couple of you sound happy. Good morning. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Ezra chapter 7, here we go. The journey continues. Now, we have to, we have to get back uh, on, we have to get back on the bike here. I know, we celebrated Easter. Um, we had our Easter emphasis. We talked about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their roles in Easter, the big three. And I know um, Pastor Curtis came last week, shared the Word of God with you guys. I was excited that he um, finally had the opportunity to come and preach last week. Curtis? Yes. That's right. And um, so, but we're getting back on the bike. We are in Ezra chapter 7. Now, um, we take a significant leap in time um, between the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7. So here's the thing, about 57 years, it's pretty specific, about 57 years have elapsed between the end of chapter 6. So remember, the temple is completed, it's dedicated, they're celebrating, they're worshiping, right? Um, they're still in captivity, but God has granted them favor. But now, two kings, so Darius was the king here, right? He was our last king in chapter 6. Everything is going well. They overcame the opposition. Everyone's excited. They're worshiping. They're making sacrifices. They're calling one another to, to purity and obedience before God. But something is going to happen. And, and, I, and I thought, of, I went to sleep thinking about this, and I woke up thinking about this this morning. And, and to kind of contextualize this, you know, I, I thought, what will our legacy be? What will we leave behind in our church for the next generation? Even as I look out at some of you who are less than half my age, I think even for you, um, uh, it may be a little more of a stretch, but to think ahead, to look ahead and say, what kind of legacy will we leave in Baltimore City uh, in Jesus' name? What kind of legacy will we leave as a worshiping body? What kind... What, what will be here in 50 years? Um, and here's a big challenge. And one of the reasons I joined the church planting team, I'll just, and, and, and what you're going to hear right now is very subjective. We all know subjective, my opinion, not the word of God. But in Western church life, I just became concerned for myself, not for others, for myself, that as a, a pastor uh, in, in, in a good-sized church, I was comfortable with my life. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. I was comfortable with my life. I had a good ministry, but sometimes I felt like I was relying more on the organization and the traditions of the church as opposed to living my life on mission. And I became very convicted about that. Now look, it's easy, right? We can do it in our jobs. We can do it in our educations. Sometimes we can just be complacent, right? 
Um, but sometimes, and this is what happened to the Israelites often enough, and we always say, oh my gosh, were, were they that terrible? And we don't contextualize it for ourselves, excuse me, I don't contextualize it for myself sometimes that I do the very same, that, that I could possibly be guilty of the very same thing. And so all this time has gone by, right? And so now Xerxes has been the king. Here we go. Let me do it in order. Okay. So chapter seven begins that at a time that is well after the completion of the temple in 515. The purpose of these final chapters of Ezra is to finally introduce the namesake of the book. Hey, new character, right? This is fresh episode. Uh, we've been off for a few weeks. You know how when you go to On Demand and they haven't um, recorded your favorite show in two or three weeks and you're mad because you want to see that next episode of Blue Bloods. Yeah, so, so that's what's going on. So that's what's going on here, right? So notice something important. While Ezra is almost invariably spoken of as being a pivotal in the rebuilding of the temple, fact is he came to Judah after it was completed and in operation. So he's kind of credited with this, but he didn't rebuild the temple at all. Okay, he came in at the end, right? Which is, I wish I had done that, but didn't happen that way. Okay, so, all right. The temple was completed around 35 or 40 years before the time of Esther. Remember Esther, right? Okay, Mordecai, Haman. I love that story. Why do I love, I love, uh, I love that story, um, that account in the word of God. Ezra came to Jerusalem about 20 years after the story of Ezra and Mordecai um, saving the Jews of the Persian Empire from genocide at the hands of the evil Haman, right? So Darius was the king when the temple was completed. Xerxes was the king during the time of Esther and Mordecai. And now Artaxerxes is going to be the king during this time of Ezra. So the real purpose then of Ezra coming um, is to lead, is to be the leader of a reform movement to restore the proper worship of God. So, the proper observances of priestly ritual. So here's what happened. Sometimes, and this is what happened to the Jews of the, um, this is what happened to the Jews, they got caught up in the man-made traditions of the Torah, uh, of, 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 their, of their religion. Okay, as opposed to simply obeying the word of God and loving God. And so this is why Ezra has come. So verse six, we see in chapter seven, this Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel had given. And the king granted him that all that he requested because the hand of the Lord his God was upon him. Okay, next slide. We're, we're in it now, guys, okay? All right. So we read verse 10 there. Next slide. That was our, our just main scripture verse. So we have this phrase three times in chapter 7 and once in chapter 8. It says, for the hand of the Lord was upon him. Here we go. Um, Verse 6, we see the hand of the Lord was upon him. In verse 9, this thing's going to drive me crazy, man. It's on, I think it's on a bad spot on the floor. For on the first of the month, he began to go up from Babylon. And on the first of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem because the hand of his God was upon him. So we see that a second time. 
the hand of the Lord was upon him. We're going to see it again. Verse 28 in chapter 7. We're skipping ahead for a reason. We'll, we'll go back. Don't worry. He says the second half of the verse. Thus I was strengthened according to the hand of the Lord my God upon me. So the hand of the Lord here. The hand of the Lord just represents God's favor, God's protection, God's leading through his Holy Spirit. But God's hand was on Ezra for a purpose. And we're going to see in the next couple of weeks what that purpose was. So the first thing we see here um, in, verse, in verse 6 and in 15 through 22 is that the Lord was providing him favor with the king. So each of these, you see the hand of the Lord was upon him, right? But providing him favor with the king. Listen, the king said here, the king said here in verse 6, we'll see it uh, in the second half, and the king granted him all he requested. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was upon him. So verses 15 through 22, what is it, um, what is it that, that, that the king and that Babylon that they gave Ezra to take with him on his journey to Jerusalem? You'll see in verse 15, to bring the silver, the gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel. The silver and gold which you find in the whole province of Babylon. I'm skipping down. With this money, therefore, verse 17, you shall diligently buy bulls, rams, lambs. He says, verse 18, and this is what I like. Whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold, you may do according to the will of your God. Now, y'all know, know I can spend some money. I kind of like that, right? Uh, I'm a shopper. I can go with it, right? I can run. Um, and um, I, I, I like for everything to be nice here at church. And so sometimes I have to be careful, right? But here's what happened. Here's what happened. God gave, God gave Ezra favor with the king. Listen, when the hand of the Lord is upon you, nothing is impossible. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, he will grant you audience in places you never thought you could go. When you are serving the Lord, when you are walking closely with the Lord, his hand will be upon you and nothing is impossible. Now, sometimes people say to kids, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. I, you know what? I'm going to be careful because the recording is on now. But, but, but I just don't think that's, um, um, I have, I'm, I'm challenged by that statement. I was never going to grow up and be a scientist. God didn't build me that way. I was never going to grow up and be the president of the United States of America. God didn't build me that way. So I really wasn't going to grow up and be whatever I want. I didn't want to be the president, but I really wasn't going to grow up and be whatever I wanted to be, right? But when the hand of the Lord is upon you and he is having his way in your life, when you and I are living, um, are living uh, uh, in a manner that Ezra was, now don't misunderstand me, we are not all scribes, we are not all going to be uh, uh, God has created you for a purpose, right? And God has created you uniquely. Um, but listen, uh, uh, verse 10, again, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it 
and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Look, I think there is a process here. I think it says it in this order for a reason. And it is this, he set his heart to study the law. His single passion in life was the word of God. His single passion, I wrestled with that this week, guys. I, uh, I'm a pastor and, and, and it's sometimes I feel like a slacker. Sometimes I, I don't study the word of God with the same passion that I might have a couple weeks ago. I don't study with the same passion that, you know, because why? Because we're emotional creatures, we're imperfect beings. And sometimes I'm just, a, you know, I'm a sinner too, right? But, but Ezra's passion, what God built him to do, that's what it means. You know, when they say heart, they're talking about the whole being. Matter of fact, it was more like the knowledge and they thought everything that went on inside you went on here. Like it's literally the word is like your kidneys in the Hebrew and Greek language when they say with all your heart. So let's get a picture of this in Deuteronomy chapter six. And it's not up there. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he says, yeah, I got to go there. It's not working. Okay, here we go. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remember, right? This is the Shema. This is their confession of faith if you were Jewish. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Amen, right? We like that. But listen to what he says next here. Listen uh, to what Moses has written here in Deuteronomy. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Mm. Watch this. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. That's when you're doing life, when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. The last thing on my mind when I go to sleep, the first thing on my mind when I wake up, not always the case for me. I'm saying, right, that's what the Lord is saying here, right? He says, listen, I want this when you're going by the way, when you're just out doing life, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're just chilling, right? Wherever, as you walk by the way, listen to verse eight. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You do know the Jewish people in, uh, had phylacteries. Anybody know what, yeah, spell that word. No, don't spell that word. Um, phylacteries. They would literally take this little leather thing and there would be a teeny tiny copy of the word of God, like a verse or a couple of verses written in really small print. And it would be in a little thing thing, right? It's a thing. And they would tie it to their fingers and they had another one literally that they would tie around their head. For some of us, the string would have to be longer than others, right? <laughs> They would tie this thing around their head and on the front would be a little word of God. The Jews took it so literally. I know, right? Those things existed. It's real. Um, it was a thing. And because it symbolized the word of God being first and being like when you saw him coming, when you, when you saw your friend coming, he wanted you to, he's just all about what God is saying. Did they go overboard with it? Sure. Do we go overboard with stuff? Oh yeah, we do. We, we like our own traditions as well. But nonetheless, teach them diligently to your sons and daughters. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Listen, when people come to your house, man, they should get the vibe uh, somehow, some type of way, just when they come to your house, that you're all about your relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying be one of those people that people can't stand to be around, right? Don't, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a vibe, right? Yeah, we all know somebody 
that they won't even say hi to you before you start getting some. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, somebody said amen. Okay. He said, but write them on the doorpost. That's what, man, when you have guests, when I have guests in my home, when, uh, when I'm talking to somebody, when, when we're out and about in front of my house or your house, man, he says, be all about the word of God. Now, listen, we could take it sometimes and make it a religious thing. So to con- and I use the word contextualize too many times already this morning. But we, we think of the Israelites as they get in a good place with God. They rebuild the temple. They're excited. They're celebrating. They're making sacrifices. They confess their sins. Everything is good. 57 years go by, and they're going to find themselves in an all-too-familiar religious place. And that's what I'm saying. My challenge to myself this week, right? A word of application for the pastor before he dares even speak of it to you, right? I better be in a closet saying, hey, God, what are you saying to me first, right? They get sloppy in their religion. It started with the priests and the leaders, and they got sloppy. So all of that to say, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and God's hand was upon him. So one, God provided him favor with the king. This is the king of the largest, most powerful empire in the world right now. And the king said in verse 17, whatever you want. I do like that. He said, Ezra, whatever you want. Because this pagan king even knew that the hand of the Lord, God Almighty, was on Ezra. Matter of fact, he says some stuff later on. I hope I don't miss it before we get through. Next, uh, next slide, please. Number two, the hand of the Lord was upon him, providing protection for Ezra and the Israelites. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, you do not need to fear. We talk a lot and celebrate recovery and in recovery about fear, guilt, and shame. Why? Because fear, guilt, and shame will keep you actively practicing your hurts, habits, and hangups. Fear, guilt, and shame will keep me practicing my addiction. And what uh, God is providing here for Ezra as a leader of the people was his protection in verse 9. It's kind of implicit here or um, from the first of the month he began to go up from Babylon. Now look. These guys didn't just jump in the Range Rover and pack some gear and ride a couple hours from Babylon to Jerusalem. It was a three and a half month journey on foot. And it was going to be, and we'll see this next week in chapter eight. I'm going to be careful not to um, do a spoiler alert here, you know. Um, I don't know. So I watched this show, right? Caveat. I watched this show and some clown on Facebook some clown on Facebook last week blew up the episode of This Is Us before I got to see it. <laughs> and I read, I read the post, not thinking he was giving it up, right? I read the post, and then I was like, no. And Miguel was gone. Miguel was gone before I saw my episode. And I may have just, I may have just done that to you. So, God was providing protection. God was providing protection for this dangerous three and a half month journey that Ezra and the children of Israel were going to take. And we're going to see next week how they prepared for the journey. Okay, three and a half month journey. So 
God is providing um, favor from the king and from all of the other leaders under the king for Ezra to make this journey to get his people to get all the money that the king promised them and take all of this for the Lord's work. Then God was going to provide them protection on the journey. Uh, thirdly, next slide. So we continue to see the hand of the Lord on, on Ezra as he is providing resources for the mission. We see that in those same verses. Um, we did kind of, I did kind of read that already, but he says in verse 16, with all the silver and gold which you find in the whole province of Babylon, along with the free will offering of the people and of the priests who offered willingly for the house of their God, which is in Jerusalem. God continued to prosper his people even while they were in captivity in Babylon. When the hand of the Lord is upon you and you are experiencing God's favor, God will provide for your needs. It may not be extravagant. Um, it may not be riches and wealth, but it may be also I have friends who love Jesus and God bless them in their work and they are wealthy and they use their wealth to serve the Lord. Praise God. If God, God, you know, the verse in the Bible that says, provide me neither with poverty nor riches because I'm too weak to handle either one. Um, uh, maybe not you, me. That's my testimony. I believe that I would not do either one well. Um, and so that for, hence the verse in the Bible, right? But the hand of the Lord was upon him. And sometimes we're afraid to say that. But when, and, and I'm not going to be today, when you are living for the Lord, when you are all out, when your heart is set on what God has for you, when you are living life on mission, God's going to provide for your needs. Man, look, this crazy story of what God's done in this vacant, abandoned building that is now a house where people worship the Lord where often, not lately, but often people come for a good word in recovery, where people come from all over the country because they care about the work of the Lord on Greenmount Avenue, where we are sharing the gospel in our park and on our street. And God, the hand of the Lord is upon us as well. And God is going to provide for our needs as a church. And God is going to make a way for us on this journey that we are taking because, and if we're faithful, um, our heart is to do God's will on Greenmount Avenue. Now, we run the same risk that the Israelites run, that we get in a building, we get comfortable, and we get, I get sloppy, we get sloppy with worship. We get sloppy honoring God. Or we become complacent and sin creeps in and we don't deal with it. So, so, so the warnings, the same warnings that we're going to see the next two or three weeks, and then what Ezra does in response to this is going to be such a good lesson for us as God's people. Nonetheless, if the hand of the Lord is upon you, God is going to provide the resources for the mission, whether it's your education. If you're using your education, uh, to earn a living, of course you are, but you're going to use your education in the future to serve the Lord. Wherever God is uniquely placing you, that will be a part of your ministry if you are living life on mission. Whatever the name of your college is and whatever your major is, um, um, God is going to provide for you in order to complete the mission that he has for you. So go out with confidence. Don't have, don't have fear. Amen. 
next uh, slide here. The hand of the Lord was upon him. We continue to say that because it's repeated three times in this chapter and again in chapter eight, which we'll see next week. Whoa, that's a, whoa. Yeah, see it right there? See right there? All right. That would take every last bit of Jesus' faith I have to walk across that bridge. Now, if I had thought about it, I would. Okay, here we go. Behave yourself, Charlie. So, so last month I was in a pinch, right? We had serve tour coming up. I made a commitment to preach in North Carolina the night before serve tour started. I, I did it months ago, and I knew I'd made the commitment, so I just knew somehow I was going to have to. I was going to drive down North Carolina, preach, and drive home all night. Well, this pastor called me and said, you know, we have a pilot in our church and he has to log all these hours. And he said he would love to just come up to get you. Plus, it's a beautiful flight up the bay. He would like to come and get you. And I was like, say no, say no, say no, say no. And I said, yes, OK, and because I have a fear of heights. And then he comes in this plane, this um, Cessna plane, and he brought a student with him, which meant I was sitting in the back and I had to... Um, I had to stretch, bend, and duck all at the same time to fit. I wish I had a picture up there. In the back of this airplane, and it tested every bit of Jesus that I had, all my faith in Jesus. And, of course, I stand before you today because <laughs> the hand of the Lord was upon me. Uh, but, but, but God was providing for my needs as well. The pilot was 21 years old. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, but again, you know, so, so the purpose for me was, I don't want to be, I don't want to be old and fearful and crotchety. I want to be adventurous. And Diane and I always talk about what it's, what it's like to be adventurous, right? So, so everything, everything and fiber in my body was saying no. And I said, yes, I'll go. And then I was back here by lunch on Friday. So that was really cool. Um, Anyway, here we go. So the hand of the Lord was upon him providing authority. Listen, this is, this is important. Sometimes, and this was a lesson in leadership for me that sometimes I still struggle with. When, when the hand of the Lord is upon you and you are on your journey and you are faithfully serving God and you are living in obedience with God, sometimes God will give you authority and you are to exercise it. Why? Because you will be exercising your authority for the glory of God. See, not to lord it over people, not, not so you can feel powerful or manipulate people or take advantage. Of, no, because that wouldn't bring glory to God and that wouldn't be living in obedience to God. But God will give you authority sometimes in your life for his own glory. And so exercise that authority wisely. Here's what he says. Listen in verses 21 through 26. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but he says, I Artaxerxes in 21, I issue a decree to all the treasurers that whatever Ezra the priest uh, will want, require of you, it shall be done. So Ezra had to speak up. I need this, this, and this. I need you guys over here. He said, I want you to count out all this gold and these utensils because then we're going to make the journey. And when we get there, it all gets counted again, just so that you know we did all things in order for God's glory. So that's one of the things. And he says, whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be done with zeal for the house of the God of heaven. And there will not be wrath against the kingdom of the king and his son. Even this pagan king feared the wrath of God Almighty. 
Even this pagan king feared Ezra's God. Sometimes, sometimes Artaxerxes, Nebuchadnezzar, so on and so forth, you will be put in a position of authority in your culture, in your work, in your city, and it will be for a reason and for God's glory. I know a, I know a Christian woman who has been promoted through the Baltimore City Police Department and she is now a chief. I don't know if there are seven chiefs, one for each precinct. I don't remember. But, you know, she was, um, she was a captain. She was a colonel. And now she's a chief. Uh, one of the chiefs right under the commissioner. Yeah, chiefs, then commissioner. That's right. And she loves Jesus unashamedly. And she worships God in her church unashamedly. And everybody in the city knows that she follows Jesus. But guess what else? A lot of people in Baltimore City have a healthy respect for her authority because she doesn't play. Why? Because she knows that it's part of her living life on mission to exercise her authority on the platform that God has given her for his glory. That might mean sometimes she has to do difficult things. That means sometimes she might do things that make some people unhappy, but not God. So you see, sometimes when the hand of the Lord is upon you, he will provide you with the authority that you need in order to accomplish what God is doing in your life. Amen? All right. So part of, oh, I like that. So the hand of the Lord was upon him. This is my favorite one. This is my favorite one because... I saw this in the Word of God for the first time this week. When, and I really didn't deserve it, but I got it, God gave it to me anyway. When you're studying the Word of God and you see something fresh, um, particularly in a passage that you think you, you've read before, it's, it's very exciting when God brings that to you. I know you've all experienced that. So, take a breath, Charlie. Providing him with the tools he needed to succeed. Look at verse 14, and it's a kind of a play on words, even in the narrative. Usually you see this in poetry, and we see this in the narrative here. Um, verse 14 in chapter 7. For as much as you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem, according to the law of your God, which is in your hand. So the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra. But the pagan king says, now I recognize, now I recognize that um, the power and the tools that God has given you, Ezra, that are in your hand. So Ezra had some tools that God gave him. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was on Ezra. Because Ezra was studying the word of God. Because Ezra was attentive to God's will. Because Ezra was living life on mission. So God gave Ezra some tools. One of those tools is the word of God, which is in your hand. Man, one of the greatest tools God gives us is his word. A word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word of God in Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide into the depths of our hearts and know what we're thinking and feeling. The word, you know the word of God, God, through his Holy Spirit, through his word, he knows what we're thinking and feeling. Man, the word of God is, when, when the word of God, I'll just say it, gets all up in us in the right way, oh my goodness, guys, nothing, nothing is impossible. And I will stand by that one. Um, so the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now here is this play on words. The king says, um, according to the law of your God, which is in your hand. So the word of God was Ezra's tool in his leadership. 
The word of God was Ezra's tool in leading others. The word of God was Ezra's tool in exercising the authority that he had wisely. So, the second one is in verse 25. We already read this verse, I know. You, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God, which is in your hand. So he says, according to the wisdom that you have, appoint magistrates and judges that they may judge all the people who are in the province beyond the river. Listen, he said, I'm giving you authority over people who know the laws of your God, and I'm giving you authority to appoint other judges and leaders over top over people who don't know the Lord your God. Ezra's authority extended past even his own people. He was a ruler of he was a ruler on this king's behalf of other pagan people beyond the river. Your authority will extend even out beyond further than you ever imagined when the hand of the Lord is upon you when you're living life on mission. So Ezra had this wisdom that came from God. Again, he said this wisdom that is in your hand. Ezra had the word of God in one hand and the wisdom of God in the other hand. Man, he couldn't fail. Ezra, well, we don't know yet, but um, um, how can you fail with the word of God and God's wisdom in one hand and the other? As you're living life on mission, right? With the, when the hand of the Lord is upon you and you're living life on mission, when you're serving God, you can't fail. No fear lifestyle, living life on mission. Guys, I'm encouraged and excited by this word at the very same time that I, that I struggle uh, in my own life, just like we do sometimes when, when things get busy or things get tough or when you hit a bump in the road, when there's grief, when there's loss, when there's tension in the family when there's uh, all these things that can bring us down. And yet, and yet, if we're walking closely with the Lord, how did Ezra do it? Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. Not just to study it, but to obey it. Oh me. Say amen when you're excited and say oh me when you're convicted, right? Yeah. And to teach his stats. So he was gonna study it and practice it before he taught it to others. Mm, that's good stuff, right? before he taught it to others in Israel. So in closing today, living life on mission, challenging the norms, challenging the norms in traditional church, understanding that when you're living life on mission and the hand of the Lord is upon you, you won't fail. Be bold, exercise the authority that God has given you and realize that you have tools with which to do it. You have the word of God and the wisdom of God. There are other tools in the toolbox, right? But those are the two that we saw today. Next week, we're going to see another tool. Um, we're going to see another tool. If you read ahead and read chapter 8, you'll know what that is, what that tool is. And we're going to talk about that next week because Ezra and the Israelites need this next tool for the next leg of the journey. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.